we are concluding our topic, our theme, yeah, the importance of remembrance. So if you are attending with us for the first time, you find us uh, 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 in the middle of a series which we are concluding today. We learned in our first lesson using First Timothy 1, 1 to 6, where Paul was reminding Timothy, his spiritual son, and he was saying Timothy must remember and remind himself of the legacy of faith that ran in his family lineage. And also that Timothy must remember how God gave him gifts and he needs to stir up those gifts that God had put in his life. And then we then realize that we need to constantly replay the good things that God has done in our lives, where God intervened, healing us, rescuing us, protecting us time and time again. And then the second Sunday, I go rough. Because in the second Sunday, we learned that remembering is a choice, particularly when you remember the good things. And that's part of us developing our spiritual sensitivities. And we gave you seven keys that will help us to remember. That Sunday. Then in our third lesson, we reflected on the subtitle, When God Remembers You. That's our third Sunday, which we con- continued on that same line last week under the subtitle, Who Does God Remember? And then last week I announced that, you know, one of the ways of remembering is to give your testimony. Just to tell us what God has done in your life. You know, uh, one of the issue of giving testimonies was very, very prevalent. Uh, some of us, when we came to know Christ, the, we used to see that done quite a lot in the 80s. And of course, it's done even much more among Pentecostal and, charis- and Pentecostal churches in particular. The charismatic churches, we have not been very strong in the issue of giving testimony. As a result, many people in our churches don't understand the power of giving a testimony. They don't even know what a testimony is. A testimony is simply a story of what God has done in your life. You don't need to make up anything. Just tell us, what is it? How did you encounter God? Because as we are all here, Barcelona, God has carried us through many things. Everybody here has a story. Amen. And I want to encourage you to learn to tell your story. I'm going to show you 12 reasons why you need to tell your story or reasons why you need to share your testimony. Giving testimony is about talking about the works of God in our lives. As we live our lives, as we walk on this earth, there are things that God has done in our lives. And it's important for us to share with others. And I'll show you why it's so important. In fact, you note when you read the Bible, that Jesus always encouraged those who had been touched by God to give their testimony, not be quiet about it, to tell others about it. The story of the man of Gadara, whom Jesus had delivered from demonic possession. When you read in Mark chapter 5, we meet a man who is terribly tormented, bound by demonic powers, such that the Bible says he was there in the tombs. Day and night, he would cut himself with stones and he would cry out loud. Didn't wear any clothes, tore his clothes off, didn't wash, didn't relate to anybody. And when you read in the book of Matthew, you find that this man and others like him would terrorize people who used to pass in that area, beating them up, 
and they were driven by evil spirits, living out as wild people out in the bush. And so Jesus, after he had preached, goes over, crosses over to the place of the Gadarenes. I have a firm belief that after Jesus had taught that parable, he taught about the sower and the seeds and explaining that to his disciples when he said to them, let's go over to the other side. I have a firm belief that he was responding to the promptings of the Spirit because there's just something about God that God will cross the sea. He will send you to far places to go and reach out to one person. The Bible says this man, Jesus exorcised demons out of him because he had a legion. A legion in these days, they used the standard that you found among the Roman army. The Roman army, in these days, the largest unit they had as a legion averaged about 5,000 men. You can imagine this man possessed by a legion of demons. 5,000 demons in one person that tormented him, that drove him, pressurized him, buffeted him, tore him apart. I don't think this man even knew where he was or who he was. But my goodness, by the grace of God, when Jesus came into his life, he set this man free. And after this man is free, when he came to himself, he put his clothes on and he's amazed at what has happened. And Mark 5:18 says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with Jesus because this is the only source of deliverance that he knows. He wants to be close to Jesus. But verse 19 says, and Jesus did not allow him. He didn't allow him. But he said to him, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. We owe it to our families, to our friends. We owe it to our generation to tell them the good things that God has done for us. Because you see, you don't need a lot to tell your story. Your story is your story. And you own your story. Verse 20 says, so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus has done for him. And all the people were amazed. In the same way, they will be amazed when they hear your story. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Psalm 66 verse 16 reads, Come and listen, all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. There are several examples in the Bible of people giving their testimonies. And therefore, Today I want to examine reasons why you need to share your testimony. Reason number one, your story is unique. Even if you don't think so, your story is unique. Why? Because there's a specific time where you realize you needed a savior. You may not remember the date. You may not remember the month. But there's a time when you heard the news about the grace of God. And you took a step and repented from your wrongdoing and believed. It could be a memorable day. And it could be a day, maybe it was not spectacular. But when you think back, that's who you were. 
And sometimes we may not have a very flowery story. We may not have a spectacular story. I mean, uh, you may not have a story that had too much problems. You know, there are people who, you know, there wasn't much drama in your life. You know, we pillay lanjina. Ordinary so and so. Uchiaso waktola. There are people, by little, when they tell their story, ne? my goodness, in a little drama. Ichika ko hule kwa ibe kuta. Ngoba unkulunkulu found them bale ko kakala. No matter how your story is, whether it has drama or it has no drama, your story is unique and we want to hear about it. You may have been addicted to drugs, to alcohol. You may have been severely depressed. You may have been in trouble with the law. You may have been someone who had everything the world could offer, but you had an emptiness in your heart. At some point, you realize that life is not working out well, and you are running in and out and needing help, but God came in your life. Can I hear an amen? And both testimonies, whether it has drama, it has no drama, we can all agree we were saved by the grace of God. For Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So your story is unique. And nobody can tell your story like you. And nobody can be your story but you. And your story is unique. Number two, God's word tells us, instructs us, to share our hope as believers. We need to share our testimony because God tells you to do it. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. In other words, if anybody why do you pray? Why do you go to church? Why do you follow Christ? Why do you live the way you live? The Bible says you must be ready to give them an answer. Don't say go higher Don't say Tell them the reason I do this is because of such and such. The New Living Translation says instead you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respective way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people ask against you, they will be ashamed that they see a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Can I hear a good amen? amen. If someone asks you about your hope, you must be ready to tell your story. Well, know, we must learn to tell our story. You know, people say, no, nakibui, naki shy, naki introverti, maraukrele rata, rata And I don't know why I came to the rata. I don't know about you, but I think Jesus Christ is better than any rata that you can ever meet. Uh, some of you when, you, when you, when you get a diet program, right? you tell others, come on now. Come on, don't look at me like that. You tell me. You found something, you tell others. And you tell others. Why can't we tell others about Jesus? Because Jesus is better than any rata that you can find. And the Bible says you must be ready. When they ask you, 
We must be ready. Can I hear an amen? amen? Number three, and I'm trying to go quickly because in the first service I realized I went a little too long. Number three, people love to hear stories. That's what I found out. People just love to hear stories. I don't know about you, but I love to hear stories. See, a testimony is simply a story of what God has done. Many of us, we like movies. We like watching television. We read books. We read stories, documentaries. Why? Because stories give us an experience to emulate. Stories show us people that we can relate to. And we can root for, because when they tell their story, how many of you have realized, when somebody tells their story, you see yourself in their story. You know, when somebody said, you know, I was discouraged, that you consider to be a strong Christian. And when they say, I was discouraged, you go, ha, cantilevona. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? And I remember as a young Christian, you know, there's this thing when, when you meet, you know, uh, uh, ministers of the gospel, the way God uses them. You know, you just never think these people are human. I mean, really, you just never think they're human. You just never think... They also eat, you know, you, 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 you know, and then, and then when you hear them say, I was so hungry, I wanted to steal something and you go, yo, let Naki die. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Yeah. So when you tell your story, Basalana, it's such a wonderful thing. We long to see superheroes. We enjoy seeing people find each other, falling in love. I don't know about you. I love good stories, you know. I don't like sad stories. I don't like horror movies. If you like them, God bless you. But I don't like horror movies. I don't want horror movies. I want a good story. Actually, there's three types of things I like. I like a good story, particularly that somebody who, who kind of gets back on their feet. I like the stories of recovery or, or, or the story of a good leader who comes and changes everything. You have a school that is just out of sorts and this teacher comes and they form a basketball team, and that basketball team affects the whole school. Yeah, I love those stories, you know. And then I like detective stories. I like to try and work out before the detective what crime was committed and who committed. I just like it. And then I like action movies, guns and bombs and everything. Jesus, power. Give me some power. I don't like these nice movies where people are dancing ballet. It's too nice. It's too soft for me. No, just give me some bombs, brother, I tell you. Just some Rambo stuff, charges and machine guns. But you know, but all of us, we love a story. All of us. Why? Because stories help us see beyond our own little world. And stories help us to find life interesting and to see the adventure in other people's life. And when you hear people's story, you can identify with them. The people in Samaria... They marveled at the story of the Samaritan woman who, by the way, didn't have a good reputation in Samaria. But something happened to her. And good for this woman. She didn't keep quiet about what God had done. The Bible tells us in John chapter 4 verse 28, after this woman had encountered Christ and Jesus had spoken to her and she had received what Jesus had said and her life was changed, the Bible says the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back into the village telling everyone. I mean, Basarana, she had come to the well to get water, but when she encountered Christ, she realized that her natural thirst is nothing to be compared to her spirit thirst. There's something about Jesus when you meet him. He gives you satisfaction beyond anything else. And not, I mean, she, she leaves the jug that she had come carrying. Why she came? Because she had met Jesus, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. She doesn't walk back to the village. The Bible says 
she ran back to the village. I can almost see this woman running. And not only that, not what it says. Not what it says. She's come and she's telling everybody, come and see. Come and see. I don't think she was quiet about it. I don't think she was nice about it. I think she must have shouted, come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Watch. So the people came streaming from the village. This woman, she affected the whole village. She told the whole village. But you see, in spite of her past, nobody can deny her story because she has had an encounter with Jesus. People want to hear your story. They want to hear your good story. Oh, yeah. I want to hear your good story. And that's why we give testimony. People find a good story to be very compelling. Number four, giving your testimony removes fear and gives courage. Removes fear. Why? Because when you start telling your story, it invariably brings you into a remembrance of things that God has done in the past. See, when we go through attacks, one of the things that the devil does is to so overwhelm you with where you are at that time and does his best to make you forget how far God has brought you. You see? So you, you find yourself in a situation and you feel like you're not, you're not going to come out of it. Mara Olivets. You've forgotten. God did bring you through. Not only did God bring you through. Think about it, Pastor God brought you through back then when you were young in the Lord. You were not a strong Christian. You didn't know all the verses that you know. But God brought you forth. Can you imagine? Think about it. If God could carry you at that time when you at your weakest, why must you allow the devil to lie to you and tell you that God is not going to bring you through this time? Can I hear a good amen in the house? So it removes all fear. In speaking about what God has done in your life, you'll also remember his goodness. That's why I like that song. Hear the goodness of God. I love it. It's a, it ministers to me. Because I, 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 I know he has, all my life he has been faithful and he has been good. When you recount what God has done in the past, it will give you even more faith and more courage for present living. When the Israelites remembered all that God had done for them in the past, how much God had brought them through Egypt, even when they were walking in the wilderness, when they remembered how far God had brought them, it encouraged them to keep walking in the wilderness. When Jesus' disciples thought back about all the things he had taught them, even after he had been taken up to heaven, and they were left here on earth to advance his cause, when they remembered his life, remembered his miracles, remembered the teachings, then it spurred them on to move on. So, Basalana, we need to recount the wonderful deeds of God in our lives. Psalms chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. In the English Standard Version, it reads, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in your name. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Can I hear an amen in the house? Number five, unbelievers will have a hard time disputing what you say when it is your story. You know, sometimes people may argue with you and Convince you that the Bible is not real. It was written by white people. It was written by people who are trying to control us. God is not real. Jesus is not the only way to God. God is no longer working these days. God is not interested in you. And they come up with all kinds of stories. I mean, same thing that happened. And I was telling them in the first service. My late friend, when I was in grade 12, you know, he used to, 
he was a, he was a self-professing atheist. I mean, he said, yeah, no, he doesn't believe in God. So, so then he started coming up with these verses. You know, they always quote these verses. They have some verses that they believe they contradict themselves. And it's not true. There's no Bible doesn't contradict itself. But, you know, I didn't know. I mean, I, was, I wasn't a born-again Christian. I was a churchgoer. I wasn't born again. I didn't know the Bible. So he came up with these verses to see, see, this verse contradicts this one, this verse, and they tell you Noah's ark was never there. I mean, we see it today. Jesus was never born. They say the sun never stood still. All these things. They all come up with all those stories, you know? And they all come up with those stories. But you see, Basalan, they can say that. No one can dispute your story. Yeah, no one can dispute your story. Are you there, Basalan? It's important. So unbelievers, sometimes they work overtime to argue the facts of the Bible. We have documentaries, theories that are created to try and explain away the obvious thing about our creator. They come up with ideas that sound plausible. They argue with someone's story, uh, uh, and, and then, and then they, they argue about all these things. Now, if your story just shows that God is alive, and God is active, and God cares for his people, it's up to them whether to believe it or not. Why? Because your story is your story. You don't need to be a pastor to tell your story. You don't have to be a theologian to tell your story. Come on now, am I talking to people? You don't have to know Greek and Hebrew to tell your story. You don't have to know about the apocalypse to tell your story. You don't have to know about restitution, sanctification to tell your story. See now, you see now, I'm quoting those words now. You're wondering, hey, you don't have to know. You don't have to know about the pre-exilic era. The pre-exile era. You don't have to know about, uh, about exe- scriptural exegesis or hermeneutics. You, you don't have to know about polemics. You don't have to know about all these funny things that we study. You don't need to know anything about that, you know. You don't have to know anything. All you have to know is what did God do in my life? You don't have to even rehearse it. What has happened has happened. I can tell it even when you wake me up in the middle of the night. I can tell what God has done for me. Can I hear a good amen in the house? In John chapter 9, we have a story like that. A man who was born blind, he receives healing from Christ. And as usual, he comes across religious people, who theologians who are disputing whether Christ is the Son of God or not. But argue in the Yakotas, where now you know what God has done for you. And so these religious leaders, they come to this man and they start arguing with him. Who who did you say healed you? He says, Jesus Christ. They say to him, where is he? He says, I don't know because he healed me and left. I was blind. He wasn't there. So under us, I heard people saying it's Jesus Christ. Then they said, "Ah, that man is is not holy. He's a sinner. There's no way a sinner can open your eyes. And this guy, I wonder what's working, but I will never win. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? There are some people you are not going to win. You are not, they start quoting books outside the TV. They, they go to information that you don't have access to. How are you going to argue with them? How, what are you going to say? There's nothing you can say. But look what this guy does. I like what this guy does in John chapter 9. Note, Bazalan, verse 25. The second part here, verse 25. This guy says, one thing that I do know, yeah. I don't know hermeneutics. I don't know exegesis. I don't know Greek and Hebrew. 
I don't know. I, I, I don't know about the pre-exilic, whatever. I don't know any of those funny things. There's one thing I know. One thing I know. One thing I know. When your family argues with you, when they tell you that you're wasting your time, when they quote to you that God is not alive, Jesus is not there, when they tell you, no, there's one thing I know. Oh, there's one thing I know. What is the one thing that you know? He says what? I was blind. Where is it on the screen? Let's see it. Let's see it on the screen. What does it say? That verse on the screen. They didn't show the verse. Earring. One thing I know. What do you know? Aha. Say it again. Aha. Tell your neighbor. Neighbor. Tell them. I was. But what happens now? Tell them again. Neighbor. I was. Yamarawad. I don't know Greek, I don't know Hebrew, I don't know hermeneutics, I don't know exegesis, I don't know anything. Mara, there's one thing I know, one thing I know, and what I know, you can't take away from me. What I know, you can say what you like, but I know what I know, and I know what Jesus has done in my life. I was blind, now I see. I see now. Oh yeah. Nobody can take your story away from you it is your story this coming friday 5th of august 5th of august i'll be remembering 5th of august 1978 i was 17 years old when i received christ as savior and lord i was blind but now i see if it was not for that day, the 5th of August, 1978, I wouldn't be standing here today. Oh, come on, somebody. Do, do, am I hearing any? If it wasn't for that day, I wouldn't be preaching today. I wouldn't be preaching the gospel. I don't know what would have happened to my life. Say whatever you want to say, but what I know, I was blind. But now I see. No one can take that away from you. They can come up with all theories. But your story is your story. Tell your neighbor your story is your story. Tell your other neighbor your story is your story. Tell the other neighbor, neighbor, your story is your story. Number six. Giving your testimony creates transparency within the church. A little bit more. Imzuzwana nje. Funukhala. Niti. Niti camp. Guyole. It's a big mistake for us to meet like this and act like we don't have a past that's littered with problems. And it's tragic when we become judgmental and opinionated of people who are still struggling in certain areas. And I want to talk to you who are older, my age group, and slightly younger than me, and slightly older than me. (laughs) 
us, you've forgotten how you behaved when you were in, 20, in your 20s. You forgot when you were 17 the things that you did. You forgot in the 20s. No jumper defense in our time. And now you see a young person who's behaving like you. And you want to act like you don't know which world they come from. When they are doing exactly what you used to do when you were their age. Now oh, come on, give me a big hand there. I know you don't like my sermon. Come on, come on. Guy, you forgot that you, you sired kids all over the country. Now what are you back at? When your son is doing the same. You want to treat him like he doesn't belong. Ladies, change. No, 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 no. Don't give me that look. You think you are going to escape, right? No, no, no. You remember when you stole money. You remember when you lied. You remember when you used to drink yourself into a stupor. You remember when you couldn't stop smoking. You couldn't stop lying. You couldn't stop cheating. There was a time like that. But Kauru can say, Sutulitai. You want to act like, hi, I don't know that. I never knew. And this is where testimony comes in. I'm not saying we must expose our past that's bad to everybody. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying, let's own up. Let's be honest. We didn't fall out of heaven. When we walk, our feet touch the ground. We don't walk in the air. Our feet get dirty like everybody's feet. So when you tell your story, it helps other people to see Oh, Oh, I organized this all. And if God can help me, it means God can help me too. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Otherwise, the, the, the biggest problem among born-again people is their holier-than-thou attitude, which stinks. I have no better way to say it. It stinks. It stinks. Why? Because they want to give an impression of Rubona. They were born in heaven. And they were delivered by angels into this world. And yet everybody here, we all have issues. There's nobody who doesn't have baggage. All of us, yeah. So when we, when we talk, when we give testimony in church, it gives us a chance for us to open up. So that other people can feel normal. I'm not saying you must display your death in front of everyone, but just be truthful. Just say, you know, this is what... That's, it gives us that chance. This is important. 
The more we're honest about our mistakes that we've made in the past, is the more other people can relate to us. People don't like coming to church because they feel judged. They feel judged. Come on, come on, come on. Let me hear you. Let me hear you. Come on, I need those hands. I know you may not like what I'm saying. Come on. Yeah. They feel judged. And, and religious people who are the worst people when it comes to judging what? Oh, we judge. As though Runa are Yeah. 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 There's a natural tendency for, for us to want to look as perfect as possible on the outside. So we hold our past mistake deep within us. Some of us are about to say, We don't want people. You know, there are some people who so want to distance themselves. I, I remember we, in our younger days of, 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 of being Christian, I was still fairly young when I was 17 years old. You know, we'd visit one another's homes. And you know, all of us, we've got issues in our homes. And there was this friend of ours whose, whose mother, she was an alcoholic. A red alcoholic. So, you know, we used to visit one another, and I remember seeing this person. When we visited their home, they didn't want their mother out. You know, there's always that uncle in your family who waits for the, the pastor to do house visitation. Anybody knows what I'm And once I say, Hey, Besuk, I would say, Belana, Lisiyo, that day you are there. And I had to fell out of Alemonati. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Now, Besana, to be embarrassed about them is to not understand the grace of God. You can't do what is done in other nations. You know, when you travel the world, many of you travel the world, you, you would think, many of you, you would never think that in America, there are street children. You would never think that there are people who are begging on the streets. Because there are some parts of the world where there are certain places where they take those people and hide them somewhere. Now, I'm not saying there mustn't be at the traffic lights. But you can have an impression when you drive around Africa that we are the worst. Uh -uh. We, we've come to realize. Go anywhere, anywhere in the world. There's no, because human beings are the same. Our problems are the same. There's no need for anyone to power up against anybody else. And if there's a place where people must feel accepted, it's a church. We must have a sign outside. What's that? We must, we, must, we must have a sign outside airing no perfect people allowed here. Tina Esilana Siakula and it's because of the grace of God that we are who we are. If it was not because of his grace, can I hear an amen? Hiding things is a lie. It will make us keep people at arm's length. Sharing our story brings them closer to us. Because they realize, oh, and the difference between Runalibona Oh, yeah. Look what Paul says. This man who has written three quarters of the New Testament, he is writing about his life in 1 Timothy chapter 1, 
verse 12 to verse 16. This is what it says in the NIV Bible. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man. He says, I have, I was shown mercy. Oh, I was shown mercy because I entered in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out to me abundantly. When God sees wrong, when God sees sin, when God sees evil, he pours out his grace, not hanyani, abundantly. He says the grace of God was poured out abundantly. Along with the faith and love that are in Christ, verse 15, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Ah. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus must display his unlimited patience as an example to those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Can I hear an amen? Don't forget where God found you. Lest we become judgmental and self-righteous to those among us who are still struggling. Though we start making comments and silly remarks and ungodly statements. One thing we must learn, Barcelona, is to be non-judgmental. That doesn't mean we will not talk about living right, we will not try to live right, but in doing so, we are not judgmental of anybody. We must understand that we all have issues. And when we are like that, it creates an atmosphere of love acceptance and closeness. People must really feel loved in church and accepted in church. Oh yeah. Number seven, when you tell your story or give your testimony, you become a resource for others. In other words, story about how God has worked in your past will help you to encourage others who may be going through a similar thing now. People will see in you the hope that they long to have they will immediately feel a connection with you. Then you'll be able to help them carry their baggage because you've already walked through the similar problem. And you see, as we've grown in the things of God, as we've grown in age, as we've passed through different seasons, as I've gone through experiences, I can connect with other people now on the same issues. I can be able to help them because I've gone through that. I was there too. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, he says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comforts, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. The New Living Translation reads, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is a merciful father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So you can help the other because you say, look, I can feel you. I hear you. I hear you. I can connect with you. 
I understand. I understand. I've been there. And those people can come to you for advice or look, Kutule last time or you were struggling with such and such. How did you overcome? And we become a resource. And they're not afraid to open up to you because they know you've been there. But if you are now, you are always walking on cloud nine, swinging on the chandeliers, walking on the ceiling, always having Gabriel escorting you wherever you are going. I have no problem, Lan. Number eight, when you give your testimony, you keep your initial salvation testimony alive in your mind. In other words, the more you tell your story of your initial meeting with Christ, it's the more it keeps your first love alive. Try as best as you can to remember when you got born again. You may not remember the day, the month, but try and remember the year. And try to go back to that. Why do I go back to the days when I was called, when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, when I was called into ministry, when I started pastoring the church, when I got born again? I'm trying to do this thing, revive my first love. See, first love is interesting love. You know, first love and young love is quite interesting. See? Because it's a love that loves and it hasn't learned about disappointment and challenge and problem. It's a love that loves and it has intentions fully. See, when you know, he tries to do the best to please her. You know? Yeah. And he tries to do his best. He tries to do it throughout his life. But you try, you buy this, you buy this. It's, 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 it's first love. With time, you know, people now try to be uh, different and change strategy and uh, and uh, you know, like one person said, after they, before, after they got married to Musadi, anytime they walked around in the felt, when they came over to a little stream, he would pick her up and jump over. <laughs> and in the process of time, several years later, when they got there, he would just say, jump it, baby, jump it. Look at your neighbor and say, you remember? You remember, how you, you remember how you used to cook for him? Even if cooking might not have been your forte, you'd cook for the brother. Now you just say, Hey, did you do more pizza? I want to say, Hey, did you do more pizza? You'd be like microwave eating. Young love doesn't do that. Young love has a way of being enthusiastic. Of loving and it's a it's a huge thing to be able to retain your young love and your first love you got to go back to it and love like that again yeah 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 yeah. you know when you first got saved you thought every Christian is a good person when you came here you loved everybody you thought that's young love and first love is why must we go back to our first love? Because if you don't go back to your first love, you'll become cynical. You'll be dead and dry in a relationship with Christ. When I got married, my, 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 my dad said to me, Musa, love must be revived. I didn't understand what he meant. But love must be revived. It must be renewed. You have to maintain it. You have to sustain it. You transmit vavavum. Because you don't vavavum it, I vug. Love doesn't come up. 
doesn't grow, it doesn't become strong. You have to maintain it. You have to maintain your love for Christ. I'm telling you, if you don't maintain your love for Christ, you're going to have a problem. I'm telling you. So you must go back and remember where you first met him. Am, am I making sense to you, Barcelona? In Revelations 2, God speaks to the church at Ephesus. And he says, you know, I like everything you are doing, but I have one thing against you. You have left your first love. He says, you're no longer doing the things that you were doing. You're no longer bringing flowers. You're no longer you're no longer, you know, you're no longer buying me stuff. You're no longer carrying me across the stream. Sorry, jump it, baby. God says, return to your first love. Go back to, go back to that. You know, some of you, if you could just go back to your first love in terms of your love for God, you know, you know, when you got born again, you'd be here taking notes, enjoying the sermon. Anything we do, you were there. So it's another option. Look at your neighbor and say, why is it the old to think? I want to bishop So it's another option. No, no, that happens. That happens. That happens. You enjoyed everything. You enjoyed the music. You enjoyed the way we preach. You enjoyed everything. You know, you even enjoyed it when we sneeze. You know, you, were, you say, wow. I've never seen such an anointed sneezing. But today, so you're Kasuga. Oh, you're a sneezer, footy. Yeah. You see, that's what happens when we lose our first love. What we used to love. Yes, Kasul. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, we must tell our testimony and go back to our first love. The love of Christ should be our motive for doing good works. Number nine, when you tell your testimony, you deliver more testimonies as God continues his work in you. In other words, as you grow in the Lord, God teaches you more and more. When you get born again, you have only one testimony about being born again. But as you walk with God, God heals you. That's another testimony. God fills you with the Holy Spirit. That's another testimony. God provides for your needs. That's another testimony. You just keep growing, adding one testimony after another, after another, after another. Paul in Philippians 1.12, he says to the Christians in Philippi, now I want you to know, brothers, what happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So whatever God adds to your life, it's to move you forward, to add one testimony after another, after another. See, because after, when you get born again, it only has to do with your spirit being saved. You haven't seen God work in your pocket. You haven't seen God work at work. You haven't seen God work in your family. You haven't seen God work in your relations. You haven't, you haven't yet gotten there. But as you continue living for God, everywhere. Number 10, when you give your testimony, it glorifies God. Your testimony shows that God is greater than your story or your experiences. In fact, it's not about you. It's about what God has done in your life. Sharing your testimony is simply sharing the gospel because the word gospel means good news. You're only sharing the good news of God's hope. And when we share our story, even if we talk about the problems we have been through, we're not glorifying them. We're glorifying God in it. You showcase that God has made you to be more than a conqueror. You give him honor as you share your story. You are essentially bragging about Jesus. More than karata, you are bragging about Jesus. Number 11, your story demonstrates God's power. The term testimony derives from the Hebrew word spelled U-W-D. U-W-D. And the word UWD means to do again or do again. Therefore, your testimony shows people that God is in the business of doing it again and again 
and again and again, not just for you, but for anyone else who would put their trust in him. Revelations 9.10 tells us the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What it means is if you give testimony about Jesus, you move into prophecy. Not the prophecy of foretelling. Not the prophecy of making you a prophet. But it's the prophecy of speaking under inspired inspiration. Inspired utterances rather. And therefore, as you speak and as you preach, as you give testimony... God anoints your mouth. God anoints your word. And therefore, his power is heard through you. And people can see that God can do it again and again. If God can do it for them, God can do it for me. And finally, and in closing, no one can tell how personal Jesus is to you but you. No one. This is where one introduced the phrase first-hand revelation. Who Jesus is. Yeah. Sometimes people are brought up in a family where you've been to church ever since you were young. You grew up in church. You found yourself in church. Or you've just been a nice person. You just rocked up here one day. You started joining, doing everything we're doing. Mara, you don't have a personal story. Of a personal encounter. You see, a testimony happens because you tell a personal story, a personal encounter. Jesus in Mark, Matthew 16, says something to his disciples, which is an amazing thing. He asked them a question. He says, Who do men say that I am? Then by Arab or no, some say you are John the Baptist, others say you are Elijah, others say you are Jeremiah, others say you are one of the prophets. Verse 15, Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? Yeah. See, when you give a testimony, is when you give your own personal account. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You are an eyewitness. You are giving first-hand information. It happened to me. It's an eyewitness account. It's a personal story. Jesus says to Simon Peter, Flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And he says, I will build my church on that rock. What rock? Many people say it's Peter. It might be that. But the rock that Jesus was talking about is the rock of revelation knowledge. Jesus says, people will only live for God and be strong Christians when they have revelation knowledge. It is knowledge that has come by experience. God ceases to be a figment of the imagination. And the things that are said in the Bible are not fairy tales because when we talk about the anointing, you have experienced the anointing. When we talk about being born again, you have experienced being born again. When we talk about healing, you have experienced healing. When we talk about the voice of God, you have experienced the voice of God. It is no longer a, a figment of imagination. Is what I say, Jesus, is who do you say? Who do you say? And that's what testimony is about. And in a short while, we're going to have people who are going to give us testimonies very briefly, and we're going to be closing the service. But before we close, I want to ask you, who do you say Jesus is? Your personal story. Have you encountered him? Do you know him as Savior and Lord? Now, you may be a very nice person, you know. 
doing your best to do what's right. But you know, that's not enough. You must have a personal account of Jesus. You must know him personally. And it only happens when you make a personal decision to invite him in your life as your Savior and your Lord. Would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes with me? If you're here today and you say, Bishop, please pray for me. I don't know Christ as my personal Savior and Lord. I want to have that personal encounter that you're talking about. Sometimes people say, you know, I thought I knew. I, I was doing what's right, but I can't give a personal story of a time when I encountered Christ and something changed in my life. I don't even know. Even if people were to beg me against the wall, I wouldn't even be able to give an account. But today, I want you to pray for me. Heads bowed, eyes closed. You may be here for the first time. You might not be here for the first time. Whatever the case, you need prayer. If you need prayer, would you raise your hand right where you are? I want to pray for you right now. Just raise it up. Thank you for those hands. Those bold hands. I so appreciate them. I so appreciate them. Raise it up all over the place. Raise it up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Even if you grew up in a Christian home, if you don't ever remember a time when you asked Christ to come into your life, this is the time. You can do it right now in this place. And like I said, because in this place we are people who have a background where we came from all kinds of things. No one is going to judge you when you raise your hands. If you raise your hands, would you please just stand on your feet, please? You can put your hands down, but just stand on your feet right where you are. Go ahead, please, and stand on your feet. Just please help us. Just stand on your feet all over the place, all over, all over, all over. Just stand on your feet. There you are. You can put your hands down. Just stand on your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is about to perform a miracle in your lives, in your hearts. God's about to change somebody's eternal destiny. I want to pray for you people. In this church, we don't judge anybody. In this place, you see all these people, they understand what you're about to do because they have done it at a point. I want to invite you to come from where you are standing. Take all your belongings in your hands. Don't leave any of your belongings behind. Just walk all the way to the front. Come stand here facing the stage. I want to pray for you. That's why we give you a hand. We know what it means. We understand what it means. We understand what it means. Come on. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 